You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. Um, hey, where are the Swansons this morning? Are you guys in the room? I'm looking for Randy's gang. Wave at me something. David, are you here? Over there. David, stand up, will you? Welcome home from Afghanistan. We're glad you're back. We love you, and we're glad that uh, you've come home safely. God bless you. You know, we've been talking for the last uh, couple of weeks about fear, and you might remember that last week I, I told you that I conducted... In preparing to preach, kind of an informal survey, and I just uh, ask people, so what are you afraid of? Or maybe I engaged in a conversation with somebody like at a restaurant that I didn't really know. And so I didn't feel that it was appropriate to say, so what are you afraid of? And so I would say to them, what do you think people are afraid of? You might remember that I told you that the one thing that came up more than any other thing, and sometimes with an apology... Hey, Pastor, I feel kind of bad about admitting this, but probably my greatest fear is in the area of finances. Like maybe that the economy is going to crash and we're going to lose everything. Some people talked about my debt will one day overtake me. My Brittany sent me a text. And she said, Dad, I read this quote, and you are going to love this quote. So let me know what you think of it. And so the text, the quote said, Daddies are people who have pictures of their kids and their wallets right where their money used to be. (laughs) And so I texted her back and I said, you're right, I love that quote. So the economy can be completely stable, but if you got enough kids, money just disappears. It just goes away. So God in His Word says, don't be afraid. Don't even worry about the economy, okay? I don't want you to live in fear. That's not what I want for my children. I have something much greater for you than to live in fear. And so, I think I understand that pretty well because I'm a dad. It makes sense to me that God would say, I don't want any of my children living in fear because I don't want my girls living in fear. If I thought today that one of my girls was just living her life gripped with fear, I would do everything I can to say, hey, you don't want to live that way. You don't have to live that way. And so, in my mind... God loves us and does not want us to live in fear. Do you think there are other reasons why God doesn't want us to live in fear? And if there are other reasons, what do you think they are? So I want you to picture this with me, okay? There's an old man. In fact, he's an old missionary. And he's sitting in a prison. And he's bent over to a desk and he's writing a letter. Can you see him? He lived a couple thousand years ago. His name is Paul. He's writing to a young preacher whose name is Timothy. And he says, Timothy, you can't live in fear. Because if you are focused on what might happen to you, 
Or if you're focused on the what ifs, then you're not focused on the mission. And the purpose that God has you here. Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power. And a spirit of love. And a spirit of sound mind and self-control. Timothy, if you are focused on what you're afraid of, then you are not focused on what God wants to do through you. You can't live in fear. And so I want to read those words to you this morning from the book of 2 Timothy. If you want to grab a Bible that you brought with you or grab one out of the rack in front of you or if you want to look on the screen with me in a minute, we'll put the words there. You you might remember that a couple of months ago I talked to you about the book of 2 Timothy and I reminded you that this is a unique letter that Paul writes because when Paul writes his letters, and we have many of them in the New Testament, he usually writes to groups of people like this letter is to the Corinthians, okay? Or to the Ephesians. And sometimes his letters are not only written to groups of people but to several groups and it's intended like to circulate to many congregations. Not so with Timothy. Not so with Titus. Not so with Philemon. These are letters to individuals. And what is unique about the letters to Timothy and the letter to Titus is that he is writing to young pastors. That's why we call them the pastoral epistles. I know, pretty smart, huh? And so when he writes Timothy in his first letter to him, he talks a lot about how you conduct yourself in worship. The second letter is different. It feels very personable. Timothy, my dear son, I can't wait to see you. I pray for you all the time. I hope you come as quickly as you can to visit me. It has that kind of a tone. And so what he says to Timothy feels very much like an older missionary invested in the life of a young pastor giving him good advice. So you'll kind of feel that as I read these words. So in 2 Timothy chapter 1, start with verse 3 and I'll read through verse 8, okay? Here we go. The Word of God says, I thank God whom I serve as my forefathers did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. I'm praying for you, buddy. I want you to know that somebody's praying for you. If you ever wonder if anybody's praying for you, it's me, Paul, Timothy. I'm praying for you night and day. When I get up in the morning, I pray for you. When I go to bed at night, I pray for you, Timothy. Recalling your tears, meaning the last time that you left me and and you cried when you left, I long to see you again so that I may be filled with joy. It'll be a good day when I see you. I've been reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I'm persuaded now lives in you also. So for this reason meaning this faith that lives in you that your grandmother passed to your mom and your mom passed to you for this reason, because you're a person of faith, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of hands. He's really kind of talking about an ordination. I'll talk to you about it in a minute. For God did not give us, Timothy, a spirit of timidity, I grew up reading a version of the Bible that translated that God did not give us a spirit of fear. We'll look at the word in a minute. And it's translated sometimes cowardice or fearfulness. God did not give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, 
a spirit of love, a spirit of self-discipline. That might also read sound mind or self-control. So do not be ashamed to testify about our Lord. Don't be ashamed of me, Timothy, just because I'm in prison. But join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. So this is God's word for us today. Amen? I read a book not long ago by a guy whose name was Erwin McManus. And he talks about taking his kids to a wildlife park near San Diego. And he said, I probably knew this in part. But it was really underlined that day that when animals or insects are together in large numbers, they sometimes have unique names to define their grouping. So, for example, like if you have a lot of ants together, that would be considered a a colony of ants. When I was a kid, my grandpa Harvey loved to keep bees, honeybees. And so he would go out and put on all this stuff and he would go rob the honey from the bees. And I grew up learning that a group of bees was called a swarm. And he said it's the same way with like, you know, ocean life. When you have a group of wells together, what is that called? A what? A pod, that's correct. This is a participation moment in the service, so if you want to just jump right in, just feel free. But if you have a lot of fish swimming together, what is that considered a? Oh, now we're getting together here. I grew up on a, in a small Kentucky town. There were a lot of cattle. So if you have a lot of cattle together, that's considered a... But if you have a lot of birds flying together, that's considered a... You're doing great, okay? So the, the list just kind of goes on and on when you have groupings together. You probably watched The Lion King, and so you know that a group of lions is called a... Right, it's a pride. Probably one of the most unnerving, McManus says is a group of tigers together. You know what that's called? I did not know what it was called. An ambush. (laughs) One that's kind of foo-foo, a group of owls together would be considered a parliament. Probably one of the funniest things, Mimena says it's probably worth the price of the book. You know what a group of buzzards are together? You know what they're called? I don't even know what that meant, so. A group of buzzards together is called a committee. But, but if you've been in the church world as long as I have and worked with committees and boards, that's not even funny, okay? He says the most interesting to me are rhinos. When I was in Africa, I saw a rhino in its own habitat. For the first time ever, it's huge. I was amazed at how big a rhino is. In fact, I took a video of this rhino. And he said, what's interesting about a rhino is that a rhino can run 30 miles an hour. Think about an animal this big that can run 30 miles an hour. A squirrel can only run 26 miles an hour. And he says, what's even more interesting is that a rhino cannot see very far. He can only see about 30 feet in front of him. And so, if I stand here at the piano and I go 30 feet, which is only 10 paces, that's not far. One, two, three, four, five, six, 
seven, eight, nine, ten. Back to the piano. That's really not very far for an animal that big running 30 miles an hour. 30 miles an hour, a herd of rhino are running together with no idea what's at 31 feet. And if they need to stop, it's just an impossibility. And so he says, do you know what a group of rhino together is called? I love this. Do you know? A crash. <laughs> McManus says, I think that's what the church should be. And whatever is at 31 feet needs to be aware that we are on the move. And then McManus says, It's time that the church of Jesus Christ stops wasting time and stops being afraid and stops living in fear and begins to move forward with the gospel of Jesus Christ in our society. Amen? Do you think fear keeps us from moving forward? So here's an old man. And he's in prison. And he writes this young preacher whose name is Timothy to encourage him. And he says, Timothy, you can't live in fear. Because if you live in fear, you're not going to be very effective at doing what it is that God has for you to do. And let me just go on record right now. I am not here without a purpose. The God of the universe created me. He placed me here. And He placed me for a reason. And He placed me here to fulfill a purpose. I have a mission. And I am no different from you. You are not here by happenstance. The God of the universe placed you here. And He has a purpose for your life. But if you are living in fear. And if you are focused on what you are afraid of. You are not going to be focused on the mission that God has called you to accomplish. It's that simple. So why does God have you here? What does He want to do through your life? We were Nazarenes. And in the United States and Canada, there are about 5,000 Nazarene churches. Most of them are, of course, in the U.S. And so we're kind of divided in groups called districts. And every year we have a district meeting. It's called an assembly. And we we give reports and we're accountable to each other. And we have this fellowship with this larger group of people in this section of Oklahoma. And so the last night that we're together, and last year it was here at this church in the spring and I was here. You have these people who are ready to be ordained. People have been preparing for ministry. So they've been preparing like educationally, and they've been preparing with experience and all of those kinds of things, and and they're now ready to be ordained. And they come to an altar with their spouse, and they get on their knees, and a general superintendent puts his hands on their head with no regard for what they've done to their hair. And he says, I ordain you a elder in the church of the Nazarene. Preach the gospel. Administer the sacraments. And on and on and on he goes. And on more than one occasion, Paul says to Timothy, You remember, like in chapter 4 of 1 Timothy, you remember when the elders laid their hands on you, Timothy. 
And in this passage that I read to you from a moment ago, Paul says to Timothy, By the laying on of my hands. Hold on that for a moment, okay? You ever try to start a fire like outdoors and you didn't have everything you need? I remember once on a canoe camping trip with a bunch of junior high kids. I'm out of my element on a camping trip to begin with. And everything was damp when we woke up that morning. We're trying to start a fire and we just don't have anything hardly that's dry. And, and a bunch of kids are around me and we're failing to start it. But finally, there's a smoldering and there's a smoke. And I'm saying to the kids, fan, 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 blow. We're blowing, we're fanning. And all of a sudden, the most beautiful sight I saw on that entire trip was this flame that popped up out of all that smoldering. Timothy, Paul says, fan. Fan, Timothy, fan. Fan into the flame this, this gift that God has given you that we acknowledged and we affirmed in you when we put our hands on you. We, we saw the gifts and graces for ministry, Timothy. They're in you. God has gifted you that way. Now fan them into a flame. He's really saying, Timothy, renew your commitment. So I guess I wonder when you hear those words, if you would say, Rick, God's, God's gifted me. I'm not, I'm not bragging. I mean, God gifts everybody. But, but these are the ones He's given me. And, and there was a day in my life when I really, I really wanted to do something great for God. You know, I wanted to use my gifts for God. I mean, that was in my heart. I dreamed about what God would do maybe through me. But I don't know, lately they're just kind of smoldering. Maybe I've gotten too busy. Maybe something's kind of changed inside of me. And I guess I wonder in a moment like this, if God, by the power of His Holy Spirit, speaks to people and says, Fan, man. Fan! Fan this gift that God has placed in you. Let it become a blaze again. And, and use your talents to honor God. I, I think it's crucial that Paul brings up this issue of fear. Because he knows that it is one of the tools that the enemy uses to keep you from using your gifts. And so, Timothy, God did not give us a spirit of fear. God gave us a spirit of power. God gave us a spirit of love. God gave us a spirit of self-control, discipline, a sound mind, even in the face of fear. I've been riding a bicycle some because it seems like a good way to exercise, and there's a bike path by my house. And so, when I moved here, I thought I should buy a bike. Maybe I would get exercise riding a bike. And so, I remember the first day I got on my bike, and I left on our bike path our house and I'm going down a really steep hill and I mean I am pedaling as hard as I can and I'm I love riding downhill it's the best it's just it's awesome it's much better than riding uphill and I'm picking up speed and I'm coming around this curve and I'm kind of thinking you know be careful don't lay it down on your first day to have a bike and so there are sticking up in the middle of the bike path three three metal red posts two metal red posts rather and I'm sure they're there to keep cars from driving onto the bike path they're not as far apart as I thought I would have liked them to have been in that moment as fast as I was going. And I remember thinking to myself, don't be stupid. Don't hit one of these things. It's not going to move. 
you know, you'll break an arm or a leg or something. And I remember kind of focusing on those things. I was really looking at those. And I didn't feel too comfortable getting through those. I remember kind of, you know, as I'm going through, kind of leaning a little bit. And that was the last time I ever focused on the poles. And I just realized how stupid am I. Look ahead where you're going and your peripheral vision will take care of the poles. You'll go right through them. Don't focus on the potential danger. Don't focus on the what if. Focus on where you want to be. Focus on your mission. Focus on your purpose. Focus on your vision for where you want to go with your life. Don't focus on what might happen. I went through a a dark season in my adult life. There were two things that had me worried. There you go. I said it. I'm a pastor and I was worried. And I laid in bed at night and I stared into the darkness thinking about what if. You say, Rick, were you really focused on your mission and what God wanted to do through you? No. I was doing this kind of thing. Hello? Are you up there? Do you know what's happening here? Are you aware? You going to let me drown or what? And when you're focused on fear, you're not focused on the power of God that is in you. You're not focused on the possibilities of what God might do through you. No, you're focused on the fear. When you're focused on the what ifs, you're not focused on loving others. No, 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 you're focused on yourself. I'm afraid of what might happen to me. You're not focused on that sound mind and self-discipline saying, even in the midst of fear, God is always on my side. Do you understand that fear immobilizes us? Fear yields us ineffective. Fear paralyzes. Our ability to be a tool in the hands of God. I got a feeling there's somebody looking at me saying, but Rick, I'm dealing with some real stuff in my life. You got no idea. You got no idea what I'm afraid of. I wouldn't minimize that. I would never stand here and look at you and say, get over it. I don't have that kind of attitude. I think that as an adult, my heart has been gripped with fear a few times. I know what that feels like. Can can we talk a little bit about what Timothy has to be afraid of and what his temptations are? He has a mentor whose name is Paul. He's in prison. Paul says in the book of Corinthians, let me, 1 Corinthians, let me tell you, let me tell you what life has been like. I, I've been put in prison, I've been flogged. Paul says, five times they beat me with a whip, 39 lashes across my back. Five times that happened. Can you imagine as an old man in prison, if you would have said, Paul, let your robe down, I want to see your back. Can you imagine what that back looked like? Three times he said they beat me with rods. 
One time they pelted me with stones, but they didn't kill me. I've been constantly on the move. Seasons of my life where I was running all the time. Both from Jews, they would turn me over to the Sanhedrin and they would whip me. And then the Gentiles outlawed Christianity in Rome. And they prosecuted me like a criminal. I know what it's like to be cold. I know what it's like to be hungry. And I know what it's like to be naked. And finally, at one point, he says, I literally bear on my body the marks of Jesus Christ. You can see them all over me. And then in verse 8, he says, Timothy, don't live your life in fear. Don't be afraid to suffer for the gospel with me. You cannot focus on what might happen to you. If you focus on what might happen to you, you're not going to be effective. See, I, I think Timothy had some real concerns regarding fear. I mean, if I told you, hey, there's a guy in our church, and you really need to pray for him because the chances are this week he may be whipped like with a whip and be imprisoned. And you know him. I mean, it would, it would kill you. So this isn't minor stuff. We know what he's dealing with. Let me ask you a question, okay? Now that you know what Timothy is dealing with, let me ask you, what is it that you are afraid of? I'm not trying to belittle your fear. I'm just saying you've got to identify it. Rick, when I go to bed at night, I stare into the darkness, and this is what I fear. I lay there and I say to myself, what if? And I believe the heart of this message this morning is that God is saying to you, do not let that dominate your life. It will paralyze you. It will yield you ineffective. And it will keep you from focusing on the purpose that God has called you to fulfill. I have this friend whose name is Ron Salisbury. He pastors a Nazarene church out in California, Pismo Beach. And about 10 years ago, I was with Ron and a group of pastors at an annual conference. And Ron says, I'm going to ask you to pray for me because I've just been diagnosed with cancer and it's not a good kind. And I remember we all gathered around him that day and we prayed for him. And over the last 10 years, he's been fighting really hard, but the treatments have been, honestly, just awful. I mean, just, he just gone through the hard stuff. But he's still fighting and he's still winning. And I remember in a blog that he wrote to his church and he would email to me and a few other pastors. He wrote one day, I've got a lot of voices in my head telling me a lot of stuff. I got voices telling me I'm going to die. 
I got voices telling me all kinds of false reasons why I'm going through cancer. I got voices telling me that my wife is going to be a widow and nobody's going to care for her. He said, but I've learned to lean on an old song. And I sing it all the time. But the voice of truth tells me a different story. The voice of truth says, do not be afraid. The voice of truth says, this is for my glory. And out of all the voices that keep calling out to me, I choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. You like that? I don't know what you're afraid of. But what I've really tried to do these last two weeks is to tell you that you've got to hear the voice of truth. And God says over and over and over, 120 sometimes in His Word, I don't want you to be afraid. I do not want you to fear. So Alex, you're going to come up. And I want you to listen to these words. And maybe somehow through just listen to an old song, God will speak to you and remind you to listen not to those other voices, but listen to a God who says, you have no need to be afraid. I am your God. I have chosen you and I am with you. And so, Father, in these moments, would you please speak to us as we open our hearts? Music is powerful. And sometimes you speak to me through a song like you speak to me through nothing else. And so speak to us now. I pray.
just a sling and a stone Surrounded by the sound of a thousand warriors Shaking in their armor Wishing they'd have had the strength to stand And the giants calling out my name And he laughs at me my friend Jason Maxwell sends me an email this week and he says, here's my favorite verse when it comes to fear. Psalm 34, 4. You might even want to jot it down. Psalm 34, 4 says, I cried out to the Lord. I sought the Lord and he delivered me from all my fears. So I can't deliver myself from my fears. So David says, I sought the Lord, I cried out to Him, and He delivered me from all my fears. He's our hope. And so this morning, I want us to conclude our time by praying together. And um, we, we often say, hey, you feel free to come to the altar. This morning, there's a another option and that's to go to one of the tables on my right or my left and pick up a 
piece of paper and write out a prayer. And if you're comfortable to post it on the wall, to leave it on the wall, and people will be coming into the sanctuary this week and praying about what you're dealing with in your life. So you can come to the altar or you can go and write something down. Life comes at you hard sometimes. And, and my wife and I are always praying for different families who are going through different things. Every week it's something. And so if you want to come and pray this morning just about something that's going on in your life, I want you to feel free to come. And also there'll be pastors here that could anoint you with oil if you're dealing with a sickness and you want to be prayed for. You just come and one of those pastors will come to you and, and anoint you. Just get their attention when you come down. We talk a lot about the fact that Jesus died on a cross for our sins here. And He took upon Himself our sins so that that which separates us from the Father could be removed. And so if you want your relationship with God to be made right today and you want to become a follower of Jesus Christ, you can come today and confess your sins and be forgiven. So let's stand together, shall we? And we'll sing. And if you want to come in prayer, if you want to come and post a prayer on the wall, feel free to do that. Would you sing this with me? That I will lift my eyes up. We sang this earlier in the song. Our God is always with us. I lift my eyes up. My help comes from the
Just feel free to uh, come and pray with a friend if you like. Um, Or if you want to come and write a prayer, feel free. Or if it's time for you to leave, just feel free to quietly leave. There'll be people praying. and Kyle will be leading worship for a while, so you can just hang around if you want. If you want to move closer, you can do that. Um, I'm glad you've been here today. God bless you. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.